Oh, gosh, yes. And I'm sure that the masses will come at me with pitchforks and lanterns, but... (laughs) Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 81. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. We have another great episode for you today. But before that, readers, I have a favor to ask. If you enjoy this podcast, I would appreciate it so much if you could rate or even better review it on iTunes. I do not pretend to understand how the Apple algorithms work, but I do know that your ratings and especially your reviews are significant factors when it comes to helping What Should I Read Next move up the iTunes charts. And that makes it so much easier for book lovers to find our show. And just for fun, we're going to sweeten the deal with a little giveaway for our best-selling item in our shop. That's our deluxe reading journal kit. It includes one beautifully made Loit Term 1917 journal in your choice of emerald, berry, or purple, a customized tin of book darts, you get to choose if you'd like Modern Mrs. Darcy or What Should I Read Next, one Summer's Too Short to Read Bad Books pencil, one of my favorite pens in black or blue, two colored pens, one dry highlighter, and three stickers, one with our What Should I Read Next logo, one that says What Would Kathleen Kelly Do, and one that says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. To see photos, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop. To enter to win, leave a review on iTunes. We will randomly choose five winners and each will win their very own deluxe reading journal kit. We may not be able to tell who you are based on your Apple ID, so stay tuned. We'll announce those winners in a future episode and share how you can get in touch. Here's how to leave a review. Open up iTunes. You can do that by going to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and clicking view in iTunes. Make sure to hit subscribe while you're there, then click or tap ratings and reviews. Rate the podcast with your star rating. We would, of course, love a five-star rating. Then click write a review to write your review as long or as short as you'd like. Click submit and you're done. Thanks so much for taking two minutes out of your day to do that. I really appreciate it. And of course, I hope you win. Today's guest is Chelsea Humphrey, who I got to meet in Savannah last year in an event hosted by the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance. Her friends had dragged her along, and I think she was a little skeptical at first, but I also think she ended up having a great time. I just loved meeting her there and have been wanting to have her on the podcast ever since, because when I heard she had a blog and review account called The Suspense is Thrilling Me, I was not skeptical a tiny bit. Chelsea's carved out a niche for herself reviewing suspense literature. In today's episode, we examine what a surprisingly broad category that actually is. Of course, we talk about Gone Girl, but we also talk about how psychological suspense connects with the various struggles women experience every day. We talk about being a sucker for a beautiful book cover or for a book with a good map in the front pages. We cover redemptive narratives and romance novels. And I've got to admit, I was quite surprised by Chelsea's favorites. Let's get to it. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Anne. It's my pleasure. I have been wanting to do a deep dive with you and your favorite genre, although I guess I don't know for sure it is your favorite, ever since we met in Savannah last year. Oh, man, that's hard. I do read uh, quite a bit of everything. And I think right now, um, my go-tos would have to be you know, anything in the mystery, suspense, thriller genre. But I also really love young adult books right now. I don't know if it's um, something about having kids now and having a little reader that's coming up that's made me start to kind of branch out in that direction because 
I am the type of mom that would, uh, I like to know what my kids are reading and I like to be involved. So I like to check it out first and make sure it's appropriate. I like the sound of that. However, you may be dabbling all over on your own time, but you do have, do you consider the wheelhouse your blog as opposed to like your Instagram account or your Twitter account or your Goodreads? Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of spread everything out. Um, I think it gives me a little bit of diversity that way. My blog is mainly uh, mystery, suspense, and thrillers, but I do put a few other things on there. Um, and I mean, if you think about it, suspense, that kind of covers a broad, broad genre of things. And um, But really, it's funny because my Instagram tends to lean more toward really all over, but a lot of young adult stuff now too, because the covers are just so beautiful. So I've tried to keep that open to really everything. Like I do my library books on there. I do any of the books that I buy or any books that I receive from publishers. Um, I put everything on there. So uh, my blog is typically a lot of review copies and arcs and things like that. Um, but, you know, I kind of try to mix it up a little bit and I use Twitter for just about anything really. It's kind of a free for all. I hear you. So what's the history of the suspense is thrilling me? How did you get started? Well, um, I actually started reviewing books on Goodreads. That was where I first branched out. And um, they started out just little brief snippets. I didn't have a lot of time. I had um, a two-year-old and a newborn. So I was you know, again, I didn't have a lot of time, but reading has always been an outlet and something for me. And, um, you know, with them being little, it was, it was a hard stage and it was a way that I could kind of escape. So I started there and how long ago was that? That was, I guess about fall of 2015. So not too long ago. So after that, I started having some authors and publishers contacting me as my reviews got a little bit longer and more in depth. And, um, you know, I kind of went the net galley route and started getting some marks there and um, just kind of started branching out with some various authors. And I um, really actually didn't start my blog until May of 2016. So it's coming up uh, right on a year. And um, I had a handful of authors. I had Mary Kubica and uh, Emily Carpenter and James Renner, a few others who just were really supportive and said, hey, if you're willing to branch out and start this blog, then we'll back you. We'll, you know, support you. You can do your reviews there, but we'll, you know, do giveaways. We'll do author interviews, anything you want. Um just to go ahead and do it because they they kind of brought to the attention what I already knew that, you know, while I, I love Goodreads, it's one of my favorite places to be. Um, you're kind of limited with what you can do there. And I wanted a little more freedom to include more uh, promotion for authors because that's kind of a passion that I have. And it just kind of branched off from there. Interesting. That is not most people's origin stories and not how... <sighs> Not how I would have expected this kind of review site slash enterprise to get started in 2016. Okay, Chelsea, let's back up because I'm sure a lot of listeners have questions. So when you say that you're reading ARCs, what does that mean? How do you get them? How is that different from regular reading? Okay, so an ARC is an advanced review copy. You can get 
it in a paperback form. You can get it in an ebook form. Um, and I think most publishers are trying to steer toward the ebook form. It's a little more easy for them. I think it saves a little bit of money that way. But um, I, I am so old school and I love holding a physical book in my hands. I love smelling it and turning the pages. I'm really weird. So now you know how strange I am. <laughs> I prefer physical copies too. I totally get that ebooks are cheap and easy. It is. And there, you know, I love, especially if there's a book that I am just dying to have and someone says, well, we only have an ebook copy, then I'm totally down with that. I can, I have an e-reader. I'm not that old school, but um, I do. And I did start that way. I started with mostly ebooks because it was how I could get my foot in the door. Um, and then as my blog grew and as I developed more relationships with publishers, I was able to start getting on um, lists for bloggers where they, you know, regularly send out whatever's coming out in the next few months. Or sometimes you'll have people that'll approach you in, with a specific book that they're on publicity for. And that's kind of how I started um, to develop those relationships. I actually took on some books that initially I thought I wasn't interested in just to get that uh, door open. <laughs> and then I found out I found a lot of books that I actually really loved that I never would have given a chance before. So I think I think that's kind of something that a lot of people have asked, actually, how do I get the arcs? How do I get the advanced copies before they come out? And that's really my number one advice for people who are kind of have the baby blogs like I did and really still do because it's still new is you know, be willing to do whatever it takes to get your foot in the door first. If that means taking on a few of the books that, you know, might not be in the format you want, or it might not be exactly some of the really big name books that you want. It's best to go ahead and do that and to give it all you've got, do the best you can and go on from there. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what Neg Alley is and how that works. They are wonderful. They're actually a database where, um, bloggers and librarians and influential readers, just anybody in the book business um, professionally or just as a pastime can, you can create a free account and they have various publishers and authors that will list their upcoming books on the site and you can request them. Some of them are available to read now. Some of them you have to send a request and get approved for. And um, that's a really great way also to get your foot in the door to if you want to start receiving review copies. So they are a fantastic. It's all free. It's a great way to get your foot in the door. And I still use NetGalley a lot just because it's so easy. They have different formats that they can send to your e-reader. It is, it is all um, digital. So that is, I guess, one downside for some people. But I know a lot of people have gone that route anyway. But um, it's a great way for people, even if you don't have your own blog. I know a lot of people who just review on Goodreads that have a good following um, that use NetGalley. But anyway, they're wonderful. I could ramble on about them forever. <laughs> Book business is defined very loosely. So even if you're a devoted reader who reviews everything you read on Goodreads, that could be for you. Absolutely. That's, I definitely, um, I used NetGalley even before I had my blog and they're wonderful. They really are. Okay. Let's pivot a little bit. So your blog centers on suspense of every variety. And as you said, that could be defined loosely, but I want to talk about what people often think about when they think of suspense, like psychological thrillers, uh, mysteries, domestic noir, all those genres are hugely popular, and I think even more so in the past few years. 
What do you think is going on there? Absolutely. I think there's money to be made. Um, <laughs> I think that's what's going on there, to be honest. I mean, I, I for one, I well, I've always loved mysteries. Um, you know, I can trace my love of mysteries back to my first Nancy Drew book that I read. And I remember I was six years old and I went through at our school library, I went through over, I think that first year and I checked out every single Nancy Drew book and read them in order because I am a little OCD like that. I've just now started getting to the point where I will read something out of order. So usually that's my thing. I usually will not read a series out of order um, unless it can be considered a standalone. So I've always loved mysteries. I've, I've been a huge Agatha Christie fan. Um, I've read a good number of hers. She's just, she's the queen. And anytime there's somebody new to mysteries, I always direct them uh, to her first because I think it, she kind of reels you in and hooks you and then you can't, you can't escape the mystery genre after that. <laughs> but um, cause she's really, honestly, I feel like almost the inventor of the psychological thriller. I mean, she had all the twists and turns before, you know, before gone girl and the girl on the train and all that. I mean, she really almost invented that. And I think that's why her books are so popular. I think I read somewhere that um, aside from the Bible, she's one, it's still one of the top selling authors of all time because people still buy her books. So like you said, it is a very loose genre, but I think that the psychological thrillers and the suspense has really become popular because after Gone Girl and all that, that frenzy, uh, the publishers saw, hey, there's a lot of money here. And um, there were a lot of women, I think, who did not consider um, anything in the thriller, mystery, suspense genre before that were willing to branch out because so many psychological suspenses tend to connect with women and our various struggles on a daily basis. Um, it's usually there usually features some type of wife or mother or sister or daughter who, um, you know, is struggling with a kidnapped child or a failing marriage, um, you know, a broken relationships. And I think because of that, it's really reached a wider demographic than it did before those books came out. Um, so I think really that's why it's become popular. There's a lot more of the domestic suspense out there. Uh, so much more. So your theory is that by finding one book that readers have been surprised to pick up and go like, oh, hey, I really like this, that they're looking for more along those same lines. Yes, I cannot tell you how many people have approached me saying, what's the what's the next Gone Girl? What's the next Gone Girl? And I'm, I get tired of the comparison because I feel like everything is living in the shadow of this book, which it was a wonderful book. I loved it um, when I initially read it and I was blown away. I think that Jillian Flynn is a master and she had us all hooked and we just, you know, we're all floored by what she did with that book. And um, because it was very fresh at the time, it had been a while since anything like that was written. And I think it's it's been a positive and a negative thing because it's wonderful that it sparked such an interest in this genre, but it's also a little negative because I feel like everything is living in the shadow of these few books that have been elevated to a very high standard. And, you know, every book you pick up now, if you think about it, it has stamped 
on the back of it, it's the next Gone Girl or the next girl on the train. And you think, can't it just be <laughs> this is this book? And it's wonderful. Uh, that's why I try not to make those comparisons now, because I think it's it's very disappointing for some readers who expect to have that exact same feeling. I think readers in general like that plot, the big plot twist. They like to be completely taken back and not every book has that. And I think there are so many books now that are so focused on having a big twist that the whole rest of the story starts to fall apart. Now, that's the number one thing I think I've seen in a lot of these books that I've read recently. Yeah, it feels gimmicky. I hate gimmicky. Okay, so Chelsea, I am a reader and I come to you because you have a blog called The Suspense is Thrilling Me. And I say, I don't read a lot of this kind of stuff, but I want to. What's a good place to start? What do you recommend to me? Well, Agatha Christie. Yes, that that's definitely one. Which one? Which one do you recommend? Uh, my top two, because they're a tie, I can't choose between them. All-time favorites would be The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, and, um, and then there were none. Those two are just absolutely fantastic. If you like the big twist, there it is. <laughs> and they're both super short, easy to read. You could totally read them at the beach. Yes, and even though she's, I mean, she wrote these forever ago, they're easy to read. It doesn't feel like you're, like there's anything lost in translation in the sense of, you know, being an older book. Um, I know a lot of older books, some people struggle reading those because of the language and how different it is from modern day language. Agatha Christie is not like that at all. She's very easy to connect with. Yes, she definitely feels like she's written in a different time, but it doesn't feel old fashioned. Yes, absolutely. I think if you were to go with something more modern, oh boy, about this for a second. I'm trying to think of my all-time favorites. Um, if, if I'm just going to pick something that's been fairly recent, if you're looking for something more of a police procedural that has a suspense mystery feel, The Dry by Jane Harper, that's one I read at the beginning of this year, and it's still sticking with me. It's, um, it's a great bridge, I think, for people who read more in the contemporary side of things to come across to the mystery suspense side because it still had a bit of a literary feel to it. Um, it was very deep and complex and layered. Uh, the characters were really fleshed out. It was a great story on its own. Um, and it, it wasn't gimmicky in the least. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So if a book can be plot driven or character driven, most most suspense is plot, 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 often at the expense of characters. But Jane Harper has some really great character development in The Dry. Yeah. I was impressed. Absolutely. Yes. Wasn't it great? I, I really enjoyed it. And we are actually talking with Jane Harper this summer for the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. Oh, I'm super excited. That's so exciting. I'm glad I mentioned that then. Okay. What else? Give me one more title to round out the list. What should I read? This one's totally different. It's more of a, um, it has a noir feel to it. I don't want to share it yet. It's a favorite. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, Chelsea. Well, in that case, let's get started on your books. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay, Chelsea, here's how it works. You tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you're reading now, and we'll talk about what you should read next. All right. <laughs> 
I hate including the books that I hate, but I will do it. How about one book that didn't quite land with your readerly soul? All right. That works. Okay. Okay. So you, it sounds like you have one on the tip of your tongue for the book you love. Yes. Um, there was a book I recently read and I felt like it would be great to share here because it's actually structured as a podcast. I've never read a book like this. So it's called Six Stories and it's by an author called Matt Wesolowski. Uh, the publishers Arenda Books, they are in the UK and they are fantastic. But it is, this book is basically, it's a little bitty book. It's like 225 pages. So it's a really easy read. Um, but it's based on a, there's a cold case that happened in 1997. And there is a man who runs a podcast and he touches on cold cases and he's bringing it back for the 20th anniversary. So you flash forward to 2017 and there was uh, a young man who was murdered, so they think, but they never figured out who did it. So he's going back and each episode is interviewing one of the people who was there that night. So there's, as it says in the title, six stories, there's six episodes and it just, it blew my mind. It was the most unique thing I've read in a long time. The way that it was structured almost like you were listening to Serial. And I think it has the potential to appeal to a wide variety uh, of readers because it gives you that feel of binging on something that's really exciting without having, you know, to wait for the next episode to come out. Um, like I said, a quick read. It blew my mind. It uh, Even in such a tiny book, though, the characters were really, really well written. Um, he touched on some difficult issues about, uh, you know, you might have a character who had autism, um, you know, these kids who came from a rough area that were really involved in some things that they shouldn't be. So anyway, I don't want to give anything away, but I would highly recommend that it it's still stuck with me now. I remember when I first uh, found out about coming on here, I was like, I've got to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely one. I like the sound of that. So this is an actual printed book you hold in your hands. It is. Yes. There's a, the printed copy will be coming out in June. The ebook copy is already available. And even though it's a UK book, you can buy it from Amazon. Uh, that's wonderful about all the Arenda books. They're all usually foreign books, but they're all available through Amazon. So, and they're usually very affordable. All right, Chelsea, what's book two? Uh, book two, it sounds weird being on this list, <laughs> but I have always adored The Count of Monte Cristo. It is one of my all-time favorite books. Wait, wait, suspense, twists. It is, yes, it is. So really, I haven't read it, but I know that much. You can put, oh, and you gotta read it. It's, I mean, it's a must read. Um, there is something about... I mean, it's exciting. It There's twists and turns and thrills, but I, I'm i always a sucker for a story with redemption and the fact that our main character goes through. So I, I like to divide the book into four sections. And so he kind of goes through a stage of, you know, he, he has a good life and then he loses it all and then he's focused on revenge and then you have the end. And it's one of those books that it will never get old to me. I could read it over and over again for the rest of my life and still love it as much as I do right now. And I even love the movie. I don't know if I'm just, I, I just have a 
Monte Cristo obsession or something, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a fantastic book. Even people who don't like reading classic literature, I think would enjoy that because it's just so engaging. Um, And it's not just the whole exciting revenge plot, but there is so much more that's deeper to it. I think people who, who like good characterization will really love it. There's just, they just don't write them like that anymore. And I hear you. That's also a depressing thought, but it does feel like that sometimes. It it is, but it's fantastic. It really is. That's a heavy recommendation. Chelsea, what's book three? All right. So my third book uh, was actually a fairly recent one that I wasn't even expecting to love, but it's a young adult book and it's uh, called Caraval by Stephanie Garber. And I think the reason I loved it so much is because it is young adult, but it really caters to a wider audience. It's not like a typical um, young adult fantasy. It it had this old timey historical fiction feel to it. And I think that's what really drew me to it. The writing was beautiful um, and it was exciting. It was suspenseful and mysterious. Um, I've, I've always been a sucker for circus themed books and this was one, it was a really easy read. It's got the beautiful, you know, map in the front. I'm a sucker for those too. And um, it was, it had a beautiful love story in it, and and um, this book was very age appropriate. It was it wasn't boring by any means. I think that's what a lot of people um, get confused about now. They think, well, if it's not mature enough, it's just going to be boring, and that's really not the case. This was a fantastic story, and um, but it was very age appropriate. It you know it was very mild in a lot of its content, but the suspense was absolutely breathtaking. And um, so I think that's why I'd include that. I would encourage people who would like to step out of their comfort zone maybe to give it a try. It's another good um, bridge book. I like to call those bridge books. They bridge from one genre to another. If if somebody doesn't want to jump in, you know, all in at first. (laughs) Yes. And that's often um, industry speak is it has crossover potential. Absolutely. Yes. I like it. Okay, Chelsea, I know you're not super excited about this part, but what's a book that you're not so crazy about? Oh, my goodness. For the good of readers everywhere. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that was – okay. So Dead Letters by Kate Dolan. Um, and it, it's not that it was a terrible book. It, it wasn't even boring. It was not that – It was just, um, I think I was expecting something completely different from what it was. And I know that's a a downfall for me a lot of times. It's um, if I'm expecting one thing and it ends up being something totally different that I don't usually gravitate toward, that's usually where I end up with a poor review. (laughs) (laughs) So full disclosure, I think I read 20 pages of this. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just what I, oh, shoot. I was going to say it's not what I wanted or needed at the time, but I don't know if anything would have changed in my life yeah. in the foreseeable future that would have made it the right book for me at the time. Right. And I think for me, what it came down to was it's, it just wasn't the right book for me. There wasn't anything particularly wrong with it. Um, I mean, I wasn't crazy about the ending 
and I even had people after I wrote my review, I wrote, it's funny because sometimes on Goodreads, I think, okay, if I just write a few little sentences, like a tiny little review, maybe nobody will really see it and it'll just kind of get lost in the shuffle. (laughs) (laughs) So I can check that box and move on with my life and not feel terrible. Exactly. And unfortunately that didn't happen with this one. And it turned, it like blew up all over my feed and I had people like, private messaging me and commenting like there were people I I will give her that she wrote a book that people had strong feelings for one way or another and I I can really respect that um but that was one thing that (laughs) I had people sending me messages like they were halfway through the book like if it's gonna end this way I just don't even want to finish it and then I had other people that were like oh man I, I just I don't know if I can get through it and then other people who said Oh, I loved this book. I can't believe you didn't like it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so why wasn't it the right book for you, Chelsea? Um, I, and honestly, this was not her fault. I think it was more another, another publisher thing. It, it was being pushed as a thriller and um, something that was super mysterious and suspenseful. And it did have some mystery and suspense, but to me, it was really more literary fiction. Um, it, it didn't really fall in that category, but I think a lot of publishers are starting to misrepresent certain books because it will sell more copies that way. Even if people end up being disappointed in it, they've still sold these copies. It doesn't matter on their end. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, I think that was what it was. It was a complete misrepresentation of what it was. And I think for the right reader, it was a good read. It was just for me too. I have a hard time getting through books where the entire plot consists of alcoholics and drug addicts. And it's okay if it's worked into the plot, but that was pretty much the main focus of the plot. It was a lot of dialogue between high and drunk people. And it didn't, for me, I was like, okay, let's move past this. Let's, let's let something happen. And then the ending was just a little over the top for me. I like a good twist, but I just couldn't, I don't know. I couldn't get behind it. So maybe it was because I was already so far gone by that point. (laughs) So that was one for me. It was, um, that was a letdown. I'll have to be honest. Okay. Chelsea, I feel like we have a good idea of what kinds of books you're reading right now. Is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? What are you looking for when we go to think about putting books on your overwhelming stack? I know, right? The Mount to be read that's going to topple over. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I really, I think this year, because I've been slowly branching out more, um, this is going to sound crazy because, you know, 20 year old Chelsea always said, ah, I don't like romance. Don't put romance in my books. It just mushes things up and, you know, whatever. But I think I'm starting to, um, I, well, I think the reason why I was that way was I was misinformed and I assumed that all romance novels or any, anything with romance in it was on the line of, um, or along the same lines of like the Harlequin romances with the cowboy on the front and, you know, the cheesy stuff to me is cheesy. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love that, but 
<laughs> yeah, because Danielle Steele, I found out in our episode with Adam Werner, is like the fourth best-selling author of all time or something insane like that. And, you know, that's actually someone who I finally gave her a try and I was absolutely floored. I loved her books. And um, I've, I've never read a Danielle Steele book. She actually has some. I mean, there are some that are more traditional romance, but she has more that are the romantic suspense that I really, really was digging that. And um like her and Nora Roberts, some of her stuff. I actually just won one of her books that's coming out in June. And I'm just absolutely floored all of a sudden. I really like, you know, Colleen Hoover, that kind of romance. I would like to uh, incorporate some more of that in my reading. And, um, you know, some more contemporaries, some more women's fiction, because I really love women's fiction. I just feel like I don't get as much time to read it now as I used to. Um so I'd really like to find a way to squeeze more of that in as well. We'll see what we can do. Okay, Chelsea, I have ideas for you, and we will break them down right after the break. Chelsea, welcome back. I You really threw me with that women's fiction comment, or literary fiction. So I'm up to the challenge, but whoa, like my brain has to shift past here out of the straight up suspense territory. I don't know. I don't feel like I have enough to go on to recommend you like some sappy novel well not sappy novel there are plenty of wonderful novels where people go to the beach and fall in love but i don't feel comfortable choosing one of those for you okay so we're looking for literary or women's fictiony just not straight up the hot new how about this i will recommend nothing that might remotely in any universe be pegged as the next gone girl or the next girl on the train oh perfect okay excellent but, but you know, a little bit of mystery, that's still safe, right? Absolutely. All right. We are going to start with the closest to your wheelhouse and then back up. How's that? We'll, we'll, get, we'll just get more and more outside your regular genre as we go. All right. Book one. What do you know about The Fall of Lisa Bello by Susan Parabo? Oh, that, you know, that's actually been one that I've been eyeballing for a while and I didn't get my hands on. So I think I may have to try that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not sure why I even picked up this book. It has kind of a cool, it has a cool cover, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And we know I'm a sucker for cool covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can appreciate that. Okay. This book is strange. I've seen it pegged as YA. This is not a YA book. I guess it has crossover potential. <laughs> Do you like the way I use those words? <laughs> it could be a bridge book for older teens, um, but it is not for younger ones. Um, and I think the reason it's getting pegged that way is because the story centers around two eighth graders. Um, they're two teenage girls, barely teenage girls in a sandwich shop after school and what they, they're there while the place is robbed. So they're both told to you know what? I'm not going to go into the details of the plot, but one girl after this armed robbery is taken with the kidnapper and one is left behind. So most of this story is about the girl left behind who, you know, in one sense, that's a traumatic event, but it's also a near miss, which her parents feel acutely. And we get a lot of the parent stories in this book. Another reason I don't think it belongs in the, in the YA shelf, but the girl taken is like the most popular girl in school. And the girl left behind is left thinking like, why? Like, I'm glad I'm here, but why didn't he want me? So through the whole story, we, we followed the family's attempt to cope with 
what happened, because even though she's fine, that's still a deeply traumatic event and everybody tries to come to terms with it. And some of my favorite parts of the book are the interactions between the girl left behind, who is not Lisa Bello, and her brother. Like I think Susan Parabo writes that really, really well, like the personal interactions. And they bring in a lot of the students, the parents, the girl who was taken, her parents. And it's not really suspenseful because the inciting incident happens right at the beginning. And then afterwards, everybody tries to deal with it. But it still is the kind of topic that if you just move the pieces around would be, you know, an interesting domestic suspense, which is why I think it's for you, but also not what you're reading all the time. What do you think? I love it. I think it sounds like a must read. All right. I like the sound of that. Okay. Book two, stepping away from your wheelhouse. Chelsea, what do you know about Frederick Bachman and his new novel, Beartown? I don't know much about it, to be honest. <laughs> I do like Frederick Bachman. Um, I loved, you know, his previous novels. This is the only one I haven't read yet. So I'm definitely very interested in reading it. Okay. This is a big departure for him. All his novels so far have... Um, this uh, whimsical feel underlying them to various degrees, but I think they've all got like a kind of good-hearted whimsy about them. Would you Would you agree with that? Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay, that is completely absent here. So we have. So <laughs> believe it or not, Chelsea, this is a story about ice hockey in a teeny tiny Swedish backwater town, and I want to call it. Megan Abbott's You Will Know Me. Did you read it? Oh, I loved that book. Okay. It's You Will Know Me, but ice hockey, not gymnastics, meets John Krakauer's Missoula. Oh, so wow. It is intense. It's so well done. It's it's a literary book. Um, the, read the description. There are major triggers here for some people, although it's it's uh, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's hardly any graphic content maybe like a paragraph or two. This does not need an A-line edit, I don't think. Um, and I'll link to what I'm talking about in the show notes. I don't want to give you too much of the plot, but here's what I imagine happening. I can see, and I'm totally speculating, but this seems like the kind of novel that an author knows when they start that they want to write, that they are only able to have published after they experience some level of professional success, with, which Frederick Bachman has certainly done with A Man Called Uva and... Brit Marie was here. And what's the name of a second book? My grandmother told me to tell you, I'm sorry. She's sorry. I love that title. I didn't love the book as much, but I love that title. It was a great title. So it's really well done. Really good. It's kind of heavy, but also it is a total page turner. What do you think? Oh, that sounds great. I would love to check that out. It's so good. Um, I saw your review recently of the, um, it happens all the time. How do you pronounce the author's name? Do you know? Uh, Amy Hatvenny. Yep. We are definitely along the line, the same wavelength as Amy Hatvenny's here. She's great. I love her to death. She's somebody that you feel an instant connection with the second that you talk to her. I just finished reading that book a couple weeks ago, but I do not know her and haven't connected, but that's always good to hear. For book three, I'm thinking about solidly heartwarming, romancy YA. How does that sound? 
Oh, that sounds wonderful. Okay. What do you know about When Dimple Met Rishi by Sandia Menon? I know nothing of that book. Awesome. I feel like that's really a big success when I'm talking to you. (laughs) Okay. So here's what we have. We have two Indian American teenagers whose parents have set up an arranged marriage between the two of them. Um, Both their parents were immigrants. They're both West Coast families, and they're both really smart kids with their own dreams and ambitions. So Dimple is a teenage girl who kind of delights in bucking convention, like she doesn't care about being pretty. She doesn't wear makeup. She's not super into boys. Um, But she is going to this like Stanford, Stanford, technology computer science camp for the summer and she is pumped that her parents have been convinced to do to let her do this one thing that is all about her and not about growing up and meeting a wonderful Indian man I think she talks about the ideal Indian husband that's capital I capital I capital H that her mother dreams of her finding one day or a parent she doesn't know about this arranged marriage plan so also going to this six-week program at this university in California is who she doesn't know is her, I don't know. Are you betrothed if it's an arranged marriage? Is that how that works? Oh man. Okay. Well, there you go. Is her unknown betrothed Rishi who has been told all about the arranged marriage plan and has seen pictures of Dimple and is super excited that they will get to like meet and hang out, but she doesn't know about him. So they meet Fate throws them together. They hate each other at first, but this would not be a heartwarming, somewhat cheesy, but totally adorable YA story if they didn't maybe get over that. So this is, I would not want my younger teen reading this um, for the reasons you talked about earlier. I mean, like 96% of the book is totally fine, but I wouldn't be comfortable with that last 4%, but you're not a teenage girl. So, and I think if you want something a little off your beaten path, I mean, this is like, this is like a Bollywood rom-com in a 300 page paperback. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So that sounds okay. That sounds wonderful. All right. Chelsea of those three books, what do you think you'll read next? Oh man. Well, you know, um, the Frederick Bachman one is actually on my hold list at the library. Uh-huh. <laughs> So if that comes in first, I will definitely be reading that first. I like the sound of that. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chelsea today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for Chelsea and to let her know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 81. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Make sure you keep up with Chelsea through her blog, thesuspenseisthrillingme.com, and on Instagram and Twitter, at Suspense Thrill. She's also active on Goodreads. We'll put a link in the show notes. I've got to tell you, Chelsea read Beartown since we recorded this episode. I'm going to read you an excerpt from the review she posted on her blog, and we'll link to that full review in show notes. Here's what she says. This is near the end. 
These characters were infused with a subtle realism that caused me to take a step back after turning the final page and bask in the awe I felt from what Botman created with this book. While I could ramble on for days, I'd rather stop here and highly suggest that you pick up your own copy and experience firsthand the sheer brilliance of Beartown. This book wrecked me. It pulverized my soul and made me realize how easy it would be for this story to come to life. I'm jumping in here to say that she's referring to the difficult subject matter this book covers that we talked about a little. Okay, back to Chelsea. Highly, highly recommended for anyone willing to give this novel a fair shot. I'm not sure this story nor these characters will ever fully leave my consciousness, and I simply cannot wait to experience whatever Bachman chooses to craft next. I loved reading her review. Obviously, I was thrilled she loved the book, but she was really insightful about pulling out Bachman's themes. So go check out the whole thing. Again, that link is in show notes. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Next week, we have another great guest coming your way. Here's a sneak peek. But in general, just that stranger in another land thing is the book that just, you know, makes me kind of go, go crazy with excitement. Stay tuned, readers. That's coming your way next Tuesday. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.